Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. We're going to have days and sometimes there will be days of immense water, of rain, of storms, of flooding. And at the same time, we are a state that has experienced for generations drought. And we must therefore understand that the issues that are present in the climate crisis are varied. And it requires us to be present and to be in front of each of the iterations and variations that include extreme weather that produces a lot of water and extreme weather that produces drought. This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Use the promo code Stu to save 10 bucks off your subscription. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right this second. Take the time. Just click it once. I mean, why not? You can subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell for notifications as well. Do all the things. We do appreciate it. Andrew Krabischetz is going to be here to talk workplace culture wars and the economy. Eminem loses the plot and Maya Rudolph gains a job in a bizarre story. But we... We start by doing the media's usual suspects. At the end, in a dramatic moment, he stood up and all of a sudden started walking and the limp went away and it was an old Asian guy. Yes, the bizarre, bizarre story of a shooting that happened this weekend in California, Monterey Park, where a 72-year-old suspect, uh, not really a suspect at this point, we're pretty sure he did it unless he was really worried about unpaid parking tickets because when he got pulled over, he shot himself. So it's kind of an indication that perhaps he was responsible for this. He's also on video. So those two things combine to me for me to drop the word suspect. But uh, maybe that's just me. Uh, his name, who can tran? I don't know who can. It's an interesting question. Who can tran found dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound Sunday? Uh, and I can joke about him because uh, he was a bastard. He uh, murdered a bunch of people for very seemingly no reason whatsoever. And uh, I'm uh, not going to mourn it. I'm not going to mourn him going, at least. I mean, the other people all mourn. Um, one of the, uh, it was a bizarre story because he went to, a, it looks like a dance studio around uh, Lunar New Year and took out, uh, t- I think it's up to 11 now, actually, uh, sadly, um, uh, people who, you know, many of them were 60 or older who were in a ballroom dancing class. Now, there's, I, it's hard to know exactly what's going on here. We don't have a, a, an official motive yet. It does seem like he had some weird hangups with dancing. His wife, his ex-wife said that uh, he would get mad at her when she missed a step when they would dance together. But generally speaking, was not a violent person with her. Um, so a really, really awful uh, situation in California. But it brings up kind of something that the media always does. Whenever... I mean, it's, it's, and it's, so, it's so infuriating if you happen to be a conservative because it's so predictable. You can sit here and you know the second one of these things happens, you know exactly what's going to happen with the media. You know how they're going to treat the story. You know how this is going to go from beginning to end. And this didn't disappoint 
at all. Of course, we all know the second that mass shooting comes out, the first thing you want to do is find the group that was targeted by the evil white supremacists or some variation thereof who was in the middle of a hate crime and had to go and kill a bunch of people uh, from a minority group. This is just the way it's pitched every single time. And, and you could, if you watch the coverage, you could see it immediately. Every story right off the bat kept citing the fact that this is a heavily Asian community. We don't know who the person is who shot him, but come on, guys. It's, the, it's an Asian community, community. It's Lunar New Year. There's no coincidence here, right? We all know what happened. Let's just be honest about it. We can't quite confirm it yet, but sure looks like one of these mass killings by some incel, some white incel decided he didn't like Asian people and went and shot him up. Well, you know how the story ends, of course, but to watch it happen in real time over and over again is just infuriating. I mean, it gives us it gives us, you know, this is a pre-made playbook and they keep trying to execute it. And it winds up hurting everybody involved. It winds up hurting the victims. It winds up hurting uh, our ability to find out who actually did this. And, of course, it winds up hurting the minority group, who winds up kind of on the wrong side of a bizarre news story like this. L.A. Times came right out with Lunar New Year Massacre raises fears of anti-Asian hate, even as detectives seek notice. Raising awareness for AAPI, that's uh, Asian American Pacific Islanders, one of your new acronyms that you're supposed to know. AAPI community following the Monterey Park shooting. Asian Americans say Monterey Park killings revive fears, trauma of rising anti-hate around the U.S., along with an ad for the Prince Harry book. Then you got uh, Monterey Park mass shooting stokes fear among Asian communities. In Southern California, police have not linked 10-person massacre to racial hatred, but Saturday Nightmare Royals Asian Groups and ad for Squarespace. This is fascinating because it keeps happening over and over and over again. Now, it was pretty early that we found out. We saw pictures of the guy. Certainly every police officer almost immediately knew. Remember, there were people who saw this person. The guy at the second, because remember he went to the first uh, dance hall, killed a bunch of people, then went to a second dance hall, tried to do it again, and someone wrestled the gun out from, uh, away from him in a really heroic uh, situation, at least it seems. There's video of that. But again, the guy lived. So when the police show up to the second place, say, hey, what happened? And they say, uh, it was this old Asian guy, and he came in with a gun, and I wrestled it away from him. Right then, they knew it was not your typical anti-Asian hate crime. It's just weird for Asians to commit anti-Asian hate crimes. I don't know. Can you have one? Is that a thing? Can you have an anti-Asian hate crime that comes from an Asian? I guess you could in theory, but it's pretty darn rare and certainly not the thing you jump to right away. Of course, everyone jumped to it anyway. Stop AAPI hate had to put out a statement. Our uh, really stupid uh, Democratic Senate minority, uh, majority leader still, unfortunately, that's minority than the other one. Uh, majority leader Chuck Schumer said, I'm heartbroken by the news of the shooting in Monterey Park among amid uh, Lunar New Year celebrations. I'm praying for the victims, their families, and the first responders. We should note that prayers, again, okay. Normally, it's uh, thoughts and prayers are not okay, but this time they are for some reason. He says, we must stand up to bigotry and hate wherever they rear their ugly heads. And we must keep working to stop gun violence. There's nothing on this tweet that I don't think I think anyone would disagree with. 
I mean, I'm also heartbroken by this, these events. I'm also praying for the victims and their families and the first responders. I also believe we should stand up to bigotry and hate wherever they rear their ugly, ugly heads. However, this isn't an example of it. So I, I don't know what that has to do with this incident. Nothing. It has nothing to do with this incident. This is not about, this is not about uh, bigotry and hate, as you like to say. Now, I guess he probably hated somebody. I don't know. But it's certainly not bigotry against his own group. That's usually not the way this goes. Celeste Ng said, we don't know if it's a hate crime. We don't know if it's a hate crime. But at an Asian-owned club, at a Chinese Lunar New Year's celebration, in a heavenly Asian area on Lunar New Year's Eve, I mean, I'm bracing myself, as others have said. Well, yes, I guess you can blame others for this, but you just kind of guessed wrong, right? You came out and you decided to take your circumstantial evidence, which was you know, a group of people, and said, hey, let's just blame uh, somebody for hating that group of people. Now, look, it could have been that way. We have seen incidents like this before. We've also seen, uh, and let's be honest about it, we've seen uh, mass shootings carried out by Asian Americans. Uh, and I can tell you, we did the stats on this a few years ago. They over-index on these incidents. I don't know why. Does that mean that they're bad people? No. I mean, the people who commit the crimes are bad people, but we don't judge groups like that. We judge individuals based on their actions. That's what we're supposed to do. But if you remember, the Virginia Tech shooting, which is still one of the worst mass shootings in the history of the country, was also uh, an Asian American. And there's a few other ones, too, when we went through the entire list. It was kind of surprising how often that popped up. Now, is that, does that, is any indication that has anything to do with being Asian American? No. Frankly, no. I just don't think... It's important to look at that. I don't think it's important to look at it, uh, but it was something that popped up because people kept saying, hey, white people commit every mass shooting. We're like, eh, have you looked at this? Have you, have you looked at this at all? Because it's not actually the way this plays out. Adam Schiff, who's never looked at any fact ever, he says, 10 dead in Monterey Park. I am sickened. He put an extra space in there, so I paused. A horrific example of needless gun violence with bigotry toward AAPI individuals as a possible motive. Now, uh, why didn't you list all the other possible motives there, Adam? Every other, every other motive was still on the table, I suppose, when you made this uh, statement. Why are you saying that you're uh, sing singling out that one particular motive? Could it be that you had a narrative? Could it be that you had an agenda? Could it be? Of course, it is. This is exactly what it is, and this is how these guys operate. Now, Look, most people, after the event goes down, will back off of this, right? They'll come out, they'll accuse immediately with no facts, uh, some racial bigotry, some racist attack. They'll just say that's what it is with no facts whatsoever. And then quietly either acknowledge later that, oh, it looks like this one wasn't, but still it really matters. Or they'll say, ah, you know, how about that football this weekend? Let's move on to something else, right? Some people who are really dedicated to the cause will go all the way, uh, like, for example, Jezebel, who after they found out it was an Asian guy said, the Monterey Park shooting is an Asian uh, man. It was still racial violence. Oh, okay. Well, that, makes, that makes tons of sense, obviously. This is the way that it works. And it's like, it's really frustrating to watch this coverage happen like this over and over and over and over again. Because what you see is this, agenda, right? You come out, you say, it's racism, it's racism, it's racism. Oh, wait, it wasn't racism? Oh, then it was just guns. That's the way this happens all the time. And I could say this, and I think I could prove it to you. I think you know it inherently. I think 
watching the media coverage is enough to know this is their pattern. They pick the thing they want to say it's an anti-gay hate crime. So they say that until they find out that it wasn't. And then they say, well, guns are still bad. They want to say it's an anti-black hate crime. Well, it was an, oh, it was done by an African-American. OK, well, uh, still guns are bad. Hey, it was an anti-Asian hate crime. Well, oh, it was done by an Asian. Um, OK, well, guns are still bad. And you might say, I inherently understand what you're saying, Stu. You might say, uh, of course, I watched enough media to know. But wouldn't it be great if we could just get someone to come out and admit this is exactly what happens? Wouldn't it be better if instead of us having to piece it together, we could just find someone who will say 100% this is what's going on. Why not just have them admit it? Wouldn't that be more satisfying? I bring to you the New Yorker. The New Yorker writes the story, the specter of anti-Asian violence in the Monterey Park shooting. Let me read to you from this incredible piece because you're going to want to remember this. It felt like an electric circuit had snapped closed inside of me with its corresponding current of fear. Monterey Park's population is heavily Asian, Taiwanese and Chinese in particular. Saturday night had been the eve of the Lunar New Year. I opened the newspaper's app and there it was. A gunman had killed nine people on Saturday night. The death toll would soon be updated to 10. I believe it is currently at 11. The officers made entry to the location and located additional victims. The Monterey Park Fire Department responded to the scene and treated the injured and pronounced 10 of the victims deceased at the scene. The suspect was still at large. When Meyer took questions, the first one was obvious. As far as motive, he said, it's too early in the investigation to know what the motive was. Hmm, okay, sure. Uh, does that mean that you guess at it? Does that mean that you let your feelings decide what the, who, the, who the suspect was? Is that what you do? That's what all these people I just showed you did, all these media organizations, that's what they did. Is that what you should do? He writes, uh, the author writes, uh, yet it wasn't too early for that familiar feeling of apprehension and dread shared by so many Asian Americans since anti-Asian hate crimes began spiking during the pandemic. I won't bother you with rehashing all the numbers on that, but we did a show about this. Gosh, it's got to be over a year ago now. We went through all the AAPI hate stuff and really didn't play out statistically as much as we were told it was supposed to. There's been a rise in crime, which has affected kind of all groups. Uh, but it really has not played out as this sort of epidemic of violence that we were told was hitting AAPI people. So you get this story. He sees the story on a phone app. He reads it. He thinks immediately, oh, my gosh, this is AAPI hate, obviously. But let me show you the full transition. This is, a, this is not just this person. I don't mean to single, single him out. He's just the one saying it, okay? He's just the one admitting it. The entire media went through the same process. They heard it. They figured it was something. And then they decided afterwards to back off onto guns, right? That's how this has uh, advanced over the past couple of days. Here's the, uh, the money paragraph for you from The New Yorker. In Monterey Park, at about half past eight o'clock in the morning, the authorities held another news conference. They revealed that the suspect was an Asian male. So that, it seemed, was that. Apparently, just another mass shooting in America. The latest evidence that the country is overrun by guns. Wouldn't it be easier to just be a liberal. Do you ever think to yourself, why don't I just do that? That's so much easier. Whatever happens, we just say it, benef it, it backs up everything we previously believed. We don't have to look at evidence. We don't have to look at facts. We don't have to think about these things logically. We don't have to come up with sober reasoning to get us through these situations. All we have to do is just sit here and say whatever is happening totally backs up the thing we were saying yesterday. 
Wouldn't it be nice if you just had that ability instead of having being forced all the time to look at statistics and numbers and reports and all that nonsense? It's so hard. Why do that when you could do this, this wonderful left wing thing where we can just have every piece of news conveniently fit into our narrative, largely because the people reporting it are on your side? Wouldn't that be so, so easy? But you don't do that. You don't do that, do you? Why don't you do it? Have you thought about how much easier it would be? Have you thought about how much better your life would be? Have you thought about it? You won't get fired for your political opinions anymore. You won't get silenced. You won't get kicked off of social media. All your friends will remain friends with you because, oh my gosh, you're an enlightened, wonderful liberal who just instantly blames racism for everything. And then when it's not true, you just back off to the next anti-right-wing thing you have in your toolbox. This is a huge tragedy, by the way. Uh, we've mentioned that at the beginning of the broadcast, but it's, it's important to remember that when you report and p- throw your political agenda in the middle of a story like this, you do a real disservice to the people who are suffering because of it. This is what the media does, though, all the time. And it's so frustrating for a conservative to have to watch this. We all know exactly what's going to happen before it happens. And yet it continues to go on over and over and over again. Accurate reporting on mass shootings isn't going to stop them. We want to stop them, of course. It's not going to make a huge difference in how many there are. But it would be nice to know the facts about a situation. It would be nice to know that you don't get banned from social media for asking questions about things like this. It would be nice to know that you had a media that was actually engaged enough to care to to at least try to get these things right. What benefit is it to rush to a motive in a situation like this? At times, I've seen conservatives do this, where they, they'll, they'll just guess, at, you know, some big event happens and they guess at the cause of it. And I, don't, I, don't, I don't like playing that game. There's no reason to do it. Being first was more valuable when there was three news networks on, to be honest with you. Now that there's news everywhere all the time, you know, the fact that you're second or third, maybe you stop and you wait and you see how a story develops before you jump to a a final conclusion. I don't know. That's kind of what I want now. Everybody's jumping to the conclusions. Everybody's trying to be first. Everybody's throwing whatever opinion they have in the back of their head out as the obvious reason why this is happening. And let me explain to you why I've been right all this time. We get that from everybody. I don't need any more of that. I want someone who's going to stop and think about these things. And, And over and over and over again, If you want that person, you can never look to the mainstream media. They have the opposite, the opposite in their minds as the right thing to do. So they do it over and over and over again. And most importantly, they never have a reckoning. There's never a moment where they step back and say, geez, like we wrote all those stories about bigotry. What do we do with those? Should we delete them? Because obviously we were totally wrong. Oh, no, no, no. Well, there still is AAPI hate. And just because this one incident didn't happen to represent it doesn't mean the larger narrative isn't at play. You saw the story. Hey, guys, hey, this Asian guy who killed a bunch of Asian people, that is still racial violence. That's how this stuff works. It's a machine and it's constantly chugging and chugging and chugging and attempting to roll over you. It's important that we get out of the way and we are the ones with the facts that come to the table and actually tell the truth. The truth is an endangered species. We must save it.
If you like to eat meat, you like the best in steak and chicken and fish, you like probably knowing where that meat comes from. With Moinkbox, you know where that comes from. It comes from small family farms all across the country. And when I say this country, the country, I mean this country specifically. Uh, and that means that you can help save family farms and get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement today. Moink uh, offers a grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Uh, you know, I'm not a big uh, guy on meat, as you may know, but my family does eat meat. And when we get the Moink box, their eyes light up because they know the best meat they can get is inside that box, the Moink box. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste, and you're helping family farms stay independent at the same time. Keep American, American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash stew. You can do that right now, moinkbox.com slash stew. Listener uh, listeners to this show get free filet mignon for an entire year. Mm, that's one of the best uh, filet mignon you'll ever taste. And of course, it's free for a limited time. M-O-I-N-K-B-O-X.com, moinkbox.com. Check it out now, moinkbox.com slash stew. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. I want to bring in Andrew Krabuschetz to the program. He is, of course, the CEO of Red Balloon, a company fighting against government overreach and the cancel culture virus infecting our workplaces currently. Andrew, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you? Uh, really well. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, let's talk first about your company, because I think this is an interesting uh, approach. We are in a world, when it comes to jobs, when it comes to getting into the workplace, where, I don't know, it feels like maybe half the companies out there have gone completely insane and have decided to prioritize sort of a, a woke agenda rather than actually serving their customers. Uh, this is a tough agenda for people to buy to find jobs in, if, especially if you happen to be a conservative or someone who just doesn't like that stuff. Um, so your company is involved in trying to solve that problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate the optimism of saying only half of the companies have bought into the craziness of the woke culture. And the reality is, if you look at corporate culture today, you have a lot of organizations that are prioritizing, they almost have this cultish following of the DEI and the CRT and the ESG and the alphabet soup of, uh, of acronyms that they use um, to really try and virtue signal towards Wall Street, towards everybody who used to be important to uh, bring value 
value to your customers. Instead, today, it's bring value to your stakeholders and try and make the woke mob on Twitter, Twitter really happy. And so um, I was actually the CEO of a tech company about a year and a half ago, and my board said, you know what, you're a little too conservative and Christian for our liking, so you're going to need to go. And so I thought, well, if this happened to me, but it's going to happen to a lot of other people in America. So that's where we started redballoon.work. Um, we are uh, a company that helps people find jobs where they can be free at work. Um, and we're finding that there are a lot of companies and a lot of job seekers out there that have actually just been keeping their heads down, um, but actually believe these things. They believe that freedom in the workplace matters. They believe that the American dream um, came from people actually just working hard and earning their income, not based on virtue signaling to all the right people. And so that's what redballoon.work is. So if you're looking for great employees who are not going to be a snowflake who whines about everything in the HR department, but instead actually just does their job, redballoon.work is at over a million and a half job searches by people looking for freedom in the workplace. We're finding this is actually more mainstream than a lot of people want to admit. And if you are looking for freedom in the workplace, that's what we do. We have over... 2,000 employers have raised their hand and said, look, the Constitution matters, and I'm going to protect the freedom of my current and future employees. Um, and so that's what redballoon.work is. We're a matchmaking service for people who simply want to be free in the workplace. And it's amazing that, I mean, no offense, but it's amazing that your company needs to exist. It shouldn't. Correct. I, I, I wish it, I'm sure you'd feel the same way. It's like we're at a place where it's not even just like, okay, crazy ESG policies or, you know, some, some bizarre, you know, uh, you know, educational thing you have to, you're forced to attend and it teaches you how to be, you know, uh, you know some crazy left-wing, uh, you know, title of the day, whatever that, whatever that thing is that right. they're emphasizing. It's not even just that. It's now it's just like, hey, I'd like my employees to, like, come to work. I'd like my employees to actually, like, do their job and step up in tough moments and maybe not just, you know, not show up because they need a mental health day or whatever. Like there's just so much of this going on where employers are at the short end of the stick because they don't know, they can't figure out how to hire anybody. They can't find right. people who are dedicated to these ideals. No, you're going to find that all over the place. And this is really sad because I have a lot of employers who come to me and say, look, I want people who are going to be additive to my culture. They're going to make actually push my company forward, understand that capitalism is a good thing and just show up to work and do their job. But they're afraid that if they ask the questions that they need to ask to be able to find out who's going to be the person who's going to make their company grow stronger, um, that they might get in a lawsuit. And so that's the other thing mm -hmm. that RedBalloon.Work is starting to do is we're just coming along inside employers and saying, guess what? We can actually do cultural interviews for you. We can write your job postings. We can do what it takes so you can focus on doing your job and we'll help bring you the right employees that are additive to your culture. And the stories that I'm hearing, Stu, out in the labor market of executives at Microsoft who are told if you put an American flag on your team's background, that is triggering to some of our employees because it's a sign of white supremacy. Right. And so when you're told that it is tearing down the American workers, not letting them be free. But then we have these employers who are saying every person I hire off Red Balloon is, is cleansing to my culture because they just show up and do their job, which, again, I'm with you. I wish Red Balloon wasn't necessary. Every job board should just be about freedom. We're in America for crying out loud. But. Because it's not, I am. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And by the way, I'm very triggered by the American flag that's behind you. <laughs> I, I, I hope that's going to change at some point during this interview. Uh, how do you feel about the job market right now? Because we are at a place where, 
you know, we, we've got, been through a really tough period. We're told that, hey, uh, this wasn't really a recession. Um, you know, the job market uh, has held pretty much steady for a, a very weird economic time with all the inflation. We're told now the inflation, yep. uh, inflationary period might be over. How do you see the, the, the near future? Yeah. So the inflationary period, I wouldn't call it over. It's going the right direction, right? The Fed has raised interest rates a lot. Um, and you see the PPI coming out at 6.2, which is a little bit down, which is encouraging. Those are good signs. But the reality is the labor market is going to continue to be tight, even with all of this tightening that the Fed is doing. Because the Fed can, uh, they can, I'm not going to be too economic nerd on you, but <laughs> the Fed can control the demand side, but not the supply side. And the reality is the two most expensive things in every economy are labor, so payroll, and fuel. Right. And so if you have bad economic policies coming out of D.C. Um, that are going to constrict our ability to produce energy at efficient rates, um, it is going to have an impact on prices no matter what the Fed does. The second factor is this labor component. Um, and the reality is that we have had not enough kids for us to have enough people in our economy for the economy to function well. It was actually June of 2021 was the first month where we had fewer people of the working age group that's 16 to 64 fewer people in that category looking for a job or not that actually existed in the U.S. economy. Combine that with the fact that we had an acceleration of over 100% of retirees. Um, and so if <laughs> I should explain that. So uh, baby boomers, usually about 1.5 million retire a year going into the pandemic. And then that accelerated 100% to 3 million per year that were retiring from the labor market. So you have these baby boomers retiring. You have fewer kids who are coming up who actually want to work, who have a good attitude about working. And all of a sudden, it's this perfect storm that's going to create a, a tight labor market for many years to come. So I do think that they're going to be able to throttle inflation a little bit, although prices aren't going to totally come down and the labor market is going to continue to be tight going into the future. Yeah, it's funny because I think people say, oh, the inflation's coming down. That means prices are coming down. Well, no, the inflation's still there. It's still near a 40-year high. I mean, it's still very bad. And all the inflationary prices that we increases that we've seen over the past year, they stay. These are now increases over the old numbers that have already increased. So we're kind of getting more and more of this, and there's more pressure on, on everyday people. Um, talk to me a little bit about the economy going forward, because uh, you know, there's a new stat out. 61% of economists believe there will be a recession this year. That number is obviously a lot higher uh, than we'd like. You're seeing the tech industry, who you know, look, has access to so much data on all of us, and they seem to be, I mean, nary a day goes by where we do not see another 10,000, 20,000 people laid off right. at these big tech companies. What does this all add up to here for our next year or two? Yeah, I think the answer is going to be a little more complicated than many people want to admit, because um, it's always nice to have a really tight storyline. But the reality is that we're going to have a mixed bag in our economy. We're going to see, um, and my prediction is actually 2023 is going to be the year of the small business. We're going to see a lot of small businesses. I was talking to one of the employers on Red Balloon this week who has 85 employees and is planning on growing to 250 employees this year. Mm. Um, there's a lot of bullishness in that small business sector, because um, I think that Amazon and Google 
Google and all of these big tech companies, they took a lot of COVID money. They used that COVID money to balloon their workforce. And they're actually using these inflationary or these uh, recessionary concerns as an excuse to actually right-size their workforce a little bit. So even with all of these layoffs happening today, you still see a very tight labor market. You see unemployment rates that are historic low. The Fed believes that employment rate, that unemployment rate will almost get to 5%. Um, I think that is probably a little aggressive. Um, we're still in the threes and maybe we make it to the fours, but I don't think we make it all the way to five. So um, I think what you're going to see over this year is you're going to see this decentralization of these major um, economic factors like Amazon and Google, where they had these huge workforces. And you know the fact that Amazon can lay off 17,000 people, each of those uh, persons who was who were laid off, all of them have a name, and a lot of them are going to be hired by small businesses around America. So I actually think as the economy um, moves to the next stage, um, the difficulty to find capital and the uh, running out of COVID money that we're seeing in the consumers right now is going to produce people leaving the San Francisco's, the New York, the deurbanization of America. They're going to move to small towns and they're going to move to small businesses where they can do meaningful work. Maybe Maybe they won't make as much money. I talked to somebody in big tech who was making a million dollar salary. Well, at some point, that's a bubble that's going to burst. And we're seeing that all throughout. And that's what the headlines are going to produce. But the headlines are never going to capture the small business that's hiring 20 or 50 people in a small town like Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Spokane, Washington. So I think this is just part of the de-urbanization of America and a bunch of Americans leaving these large tech companies for small businesses where they can be more free, where they have a better work-life balance, and where they don't have to live in some of those large urban areas. Mm, yeah, we saw so much movement uh, after COVID because of that. People want to live. Why, why, why am I living in this city? Why am I living in this expensive area? Why am I living in this woke uh, you know, dystopia? I might as well move to somewhere you know, where I, I can enjoy my life. Uh, Andrew Krabbyshedt's uh, CEO of a really cool company, Red Balloon. Thanks so much for kind of giving us the lowdown on the economy and what you guys are doing. I think it's really important. Yeah, thanks for having me, Stu, and have a great day. You too. We're just talking about this. It doesn't matter what your politics are. It doesn't matter who you voted for. Uh, everyone should have the right to express themselves freely, to fight back against all this big tech control of the Internet. Um, one of the ways you can do this is ExpressVPN because you're, you're not giving them all your data. You're not giving them all this stuff. Free to access tech giants make uh, you know, all their money by tracking your searches, your video history, everything that you click on. When you use the ExpressVPN app on your computer or your phone, the software hides your IP address from third parties. That makes your activity more difficult for companies to trace and to sell to advertisers. And it also keeps your online presence more anonymous. ExpressVPN is a great company. I've been doing business with them for a while. I've been using them. It's on my phone. It's on my computer at home. It encrypts 100% of your network data to protect you from eavesdroppers and cyber criminals. That's why ExpressVPN is rated number one by CNET, Wired, TechRadar, and countless others. Secure your internet with a VPN that I trust for online protection. It's ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash stew, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash stew. Get three extra months free with my exclusive link. It's expressvpn.com slash stew. You know what's delicious? Chocolate. You know what it's also delicious? Cherries. You know what goes really well together? Cherries and chocolate. That's a delicious combination. Everybody knows it. Everyone's familiar with the idea that cherries and chocolate go really well together. But did you know we don't have cherry chocolate M&Ms? Why? 
Why don't we have that? Why don't we have cherry chocolate M&M's? Shouldn't we have cherry chocolate M&M's? Isn't that an obvious thing that this country needs? Yes, of course. Yet here we are in a country without cherry chocolate M&M's. Why don't we have cherry chocolate M&M's? Because they're in the middle. Instead of worrying about making new flavors of delicious M&M's, they're talking to you about the shoes of the cartoons that appear in their stupid commercials. They're worried about people getting offended by the shoes. And the fact they might be a little, I don't know, do women wear high heels? I don't know. Do female chocolate pieces wear high heels? I don't know. Well, as you remember, we've talked about this before. There's been a, a controversy surrounding Eminem and their characters. They updated them. People were very upset about this. It became kind of a thing. Today, finally, Eminem took a break from delivering delicious candy and instead said, hey, let's address that big controversy. And I want to read their statement in full because it's something I think you'll find incredibly important. America, let's talk. Has there ever been a statement that started especially from like a corporate entity that begins with America, let's talk, that ends well. Like, it's just like the, uh, this is like what they tell, what some crisis PR firm tells you to lead off. Look, we're just a bunch of candies. We just have a conversation. A conversation about social justice and equality and racism. We're a bunch of candies and Americans. We can have that conversation, right guys? America, let's talk. In the last year, We've made some changes to our beloved spokes candies. We weren't sure if anyone would even notice, and we definitely didn't think it would break the internet. But now, we get it. Again, another one of those phrases they put in these PR statements. We Guys, we get it. Us candies, we get your whole complaint about, you know, gender, queer activities. We, we get, we are one with you, us candies and you in the gender fluid community. We're, to, we're one or something. We, to, we, me and you, that's us. We, we're working together. But now we get it. Even a candy's shoes can be polarizing, which was the last thing. M&M's wanted because we're all about bringing people together. Therefore, we have decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies. In their place, we are proud to introduce a spokesperson America can agree on. The beloved Maya Rudolph? Really? <laughs> I mean, I... Maya Rudolph is fine, but like Maya, okay. Uh, Maya Rudolph, uh, we are confident Mrs. Rudolph will champion the power of fun to create a world where everyone feels they belong. I'm sure that's what, exactly what Maya Rudolph, she's going to collect a big check, I can tell you that. That's nice. And I guess we're, we're seeing a preview, preview of their Super Bowl commercial. But M&M's have bailed on the spokes candies because people were upset that they looked like women. That's basically the story here. And again, Maya Rudolph, I think is generally well-liked by people. I think, you know, at some level, most people probably think she's okay, kind of funny. Maybe she's been in a movie or you remember from Saturday Night Live or whatever. But like percentage-wise, there's no way that more people were offended by the shoes on your candy cartoon than don't like Maya Rudolph. I mean, plenty of people just don't like any comedian. Like, there's no reason to believe she's going to unite people more than your candies did. Just make the cherry chocolate M&Ms. That's all you got to do. 
get up and make cherry chocolate M&Ms and ship 800 bags to my house. That's your job. Stop trying to make social commentary. You're a candy company. Let me tell you about my new favorite way to save money. It's Upside. Upside is a great app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out, which means, you know, like everybody. With Upside, I get cash back on every purchase that I can use to fund my favorite hobbies. I could to go buy hundreds of bags of M&Ms, you know. That's what I can do with my cash back. What are you doing with yours? If you don't have any yet, go. Get Upside. Download the free Upside app. If you use my promo code STU, you'll get an extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas. I've taken advantage of this offer myself. I know, I use my own freaking promo code and I want to save it a bunch of money on an entire fill up. And if you know anything about my new car, you know that I'm at the gas station approximately eight times a day. So this is important for me. You got to save money, okay? Use Upside. You can pay as usual. This is what I like about it too. You don't have to like come in, I have the Upside app. Can you scan this? You don't have to do that. You just get it all set up and then you just shop as normal and follow the steps in the app. It's really easy. Plus Upside doesn't sell your personal information to third parties. They know your privacy is important. So they make sure that's part of their trusted relationship with you. Upside users are earning hundreds of dollars a year. They have a uh, 4.8 star rating on the app store. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code Stu. Get an extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas. Why not get this money? It's free. It's an extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas using the promo code STU on the Upside app. The code, of course, is STU. America is a promise. promise. It is a promise of freedom Freedom. and liberty. And liberty. Mm -hmm. Not for some. Not for some. But for all. But for all. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence. Oh, you've read that? Okay, what does it say? That we are each each endowed endowed by... With the right... Okay, with the right. uh, To liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Is that what it is? uh, I feel like there are some words missing to that. There's three things, actually, in there that she skipped. We are each endowed by whom? By our creator. They don't want to say that. They don't, want to, they don't want you to know that. Uh, endowed with the inalienable or unalienable rights. What, the, that's an important word. It means so obvious we can't even, we're not even going to question them. Everyone knows. Like, it's so obvious to everyone. That is an important part of this because she then goes to eliminate one of the rights when she says when it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, she leaves off life. So God's out. The fact that this is obvious is out and leave off life because she knows in her head or in her inner monologue, which is always going on. A lot of times three or four people talking at the same time in that monologue gets a little confusing for her. But she knows if she says creator, well, then people will say, how dare you? I'm not. I don't believe in any God. And then if she says uh, life, then people say, wait a minute. what?" You, you know, you're going to get the complaints from that evil right who thinks babies should live. So you can't say that either. She's editing the Declaration of Independence to make her politics fit it. That's kind of the problem. It's kind of the problem with all the stories that we read today. Every time something happens, people edit their opinions 
to make it fit whatever the convenient story is. I mean, we saw, we've seen this with the left like crazy. They came out and they said Donald Trump was the worst person on earth for having these documents at Mar-a-Lago. And then they started popping up at one play at the Penn Biden Center. And then it was at the, the Corvette garage. And then it was at one of the vacation houses. And now the DOJ has served, seized even more classified documents from Biden's Wilmington home after a 12-hour FBI search, which they got to, they got to invite them. You know, Donald Trump, they kind of just show up and, and they, they raid the, the place with him, with Biden. Hey, come on in. You guys do your work. They caught, caught even more documents. Of course, as a PR strategy, this is a nightmare because you keep revealing more and more documents almost every day. There's a new story about more documents. That's bad enough. But the bigger problem is now everybody on the left is saying, oh, well, it's OK for Biden. These are totally different stories. Of course, it's not a big deal for Biden. It's just a big deal for, you know, Trump. You can't have a coherent understanding of what's actually going on in the country when your politicians and your media are doing this. It's what we led the show with, with the AAPI hate story. And it's the same thing with the documents. You can't retrofit the facts to fit your storyline. Okay, so here's what happened. Nancy Pelosi had, remember this? They had her, her home invaded, little home invasion situation going on with a radical trans rights activist who was, I think, also a nudist. Um, whenever that happens to you, not only is the smell maybe not so positive, but also you never know what else lingers. That's why Nancy Pelosi, and this is real apparently, called in priests to perform an exorcism of, of her home. Because Nancy Pelosi, who like simultaneously goes back and forth between ultra mega religious religious and acting as if she's never been to church. Uh, she, this was on, was on a super mega religious day and she decided to bring in an extra, can you exercise a house? Maybe just some Febreze would have been, would that have, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I just think that that might be helpful next time uh, this happens. Hopefully it never does again. Uh, by the way, just subscribe to the podcast and, of course, on YouTube. Uh, rate and review the podcast as well. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And get your algorithmic engagement comments in. It helps us beat the algorithm robots. Uh, we had Paul Bryant on to talk about cars last uh, week on Friday. You can check out that interview, of course, on YouTube for free. Uh, this one comes in. Love having Paul Bryant on the show. Conserva nerd car guys unite. Yes, yes. And Ben writes, instead of ordering a car and waiting years, just find the one you want and glue yourself to it. Yes, we could all be idiots gluing ourselves to things. It's our future, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.